Fellow travellers, and welcome to Podcast 53 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And today's podcast is about travelling to and around Australia, in honour of this week's forthcoming Australia Day. Now, I know talking of travel anywhere, particularly that far, is something of a leap of faith into an uncertain future. Unless, of course, you're an elite tennis player for some reason. But still, let's hope for the best. I should also admit that this podcast is something of a family affair, as our guests are in Perth, Western Australia, my brother, Peter. Hi, Peter. Good day, should I say? You, 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 can, you can do that. In, in Perth, we don't tend to talk like that. We talk as though we've come from the south of England, uh, which many of us have, and some have come from the north. But on the east coast, they might say, g'day. Oh, thank you. Jolly good. And our other guest from South London, England, is Charlotte. Uh, who I'm going to call the long-suffering partner of Simon. And uh, Charlotte, you've lived down under as well, I believe. Yes, thank you. Hi. I can say good day, actually, because I lived in Melbourne for four years. And <laughs> yeah, definitely, that's what we say. Uh, and you'll both be presumably celebrating on Australia Day, the 26th of uh, January, which marks the arrival of the first fleet at Port Jackson, now part of uh, Sydney in New South Wales and the raising of the British flag by Arthur Philip. I first went to Australia um, just before the bicentenary celebrations in 1987 with a journey that involved stops in Abu Dhabi, Bangkok and Singapore. I've been back half a dozen times since then, most recently in 2018 on the very first non-stop flight from London to Perth. So, Mick, you could, in normal times, just go from your house. Uh, I think the X-26 will get you all the way to Heathrow Airport. <laughs> um, you just get on a plane and you end up, um, and I'm sure because you have got a brother there, Peter will come and meet you at Perth Airport. Um, and yet you have never been to Australia. Can you explain? Ah, well, that is the reason. My brother. Now, I'm only joking. We meet regularly and very amicably in Europe. Uh, but I must say, I've never really been very drawn to Australia in the way that I am, say, to Argentina or Mexico or Africa, because it is a very long way. And I just wonder whether the number of wonders per square mile, which is something you said, Simon, when we were talking earlier, is actually worth the effort. And I now have to say, of course, as well as the undoubted damage that I would do to the climate. But before I am utterly reviled and hated in Australia, I might say that um, some of my um, favourite things are um, uh, Nick Cave, uh, Nicole Kidman, the novelist Peter Carey, and uh, I, obviously I can um, enjoy their uh, works uh, without moving very far from my uh, chair. And I also love the map of Australia. Um, when I was at primary school, that was the one I really liked drawing because uh, it was in two parts. There was the lion's head on the left and the rabbit's head on the right, and you had to try and uh, uh, get them to join properly in the middle. And can I just check that you, Peter, are actually sort of down very near the chin of uh, just below the mouth of the lion? Uh, yes, we are. We are down there and um, near the bottom of the southwest. Perth is indeed a lovely part of the country and remote from the rest. Let's get on to the nuts and bolts of travel and what the traveller is likely to get out of a journey in Australia, this vast and dry and underpopulated land. So um, 
for example, Peter, uh, give us a sense of what a road trip would be like from um, Perth to Sydney, right across Australia, and uh, as uh, described in Mick's splendid map. Well, I, I have driven it one way, um, and we picked up a hitchhiker who turned out to be a snake and spider collector. And every time we went past a squashed snake, he would ask us to stop so he could go and identify it. Well, a few days later, after we dropped him off, I was um, driving in the in the car, and I don't know whether we'd slept in the car at that time. It was about 40 years ago. And there in the rearview mirror was a very large spider inside the car. He did obviously an escape from his bag. <laughs> So how long anyway. did it take, though, roughly? Just, just I um, mean, yes, it's about four. So if you went all the way directly to Sydney, it would be about four thousand uh, kilometres, oh, and you yeah. don't normally do. You might do five or six hundred a day and stop. So it, it takes you nearly a week to Sydney. You can probably do it to Adelaide in three or four days, and then Melbourne in another day, and then Sydney in another day. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a good week if you're not going to pop pills and drive all night and things like that and obviously a bit less if you don't stop for snake were, weren't you ever tempted peter when you um when he got out on this 27th opportunity just to um drive off and leave him there with his snake <laughs> we he, he offered us to, the opportunity to stay at his house on the way back and we we drove very fast through that suburb <laughs> Charlotte, I know you've contributed to a Lonely Planet guidebook on Australia, so I want to ask you, um, for an unbeliever like me, what would the bucket list of things you must see include? In terms of some highlights, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, why why would you not want to go there? I think, I, you know, there's an awful lot in Australia, um, and it's very I think people think that it's not very different maybe from, um, you know, the UK or Europe. Um, and actually, it it is. It's very, very different uh, uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, outlook and lifestyle. Um, I mean, don't you find that, Peter? Oh, absolutely. It's a much more relaxed way of life. And, and wow, you know, the, there are many places where there aren't any traffic lights and any, any traffic wardens and things like that. So, uh, in fact, a friend of mine, who was driving up to um, Coobapedi, which is up in the uh, up in north of Adelaide, where there are opal mines, and he drove up there looking for a place to stop and decide whether to stay. And he came into town one night, and he said to the guy with him, "Oh, there's no traffic lights here." And, then, and as they came close to a a pub, there was a a van or a ute, as they call them here, with a whole bunch of people on the back of it, obviously, seriously, the, suffering from the worst of the, the drink, and they were waving to a police car who waved back to them. And so this guy said, this is so good, I'm going to stay here. And he did. <laughs> so that's something about Australia. <laughs> okay, now that's brilliant. But it takes quite a long time to actually be somewhere and uh, relax into and enjoy a lifestyle. What about actual things to see? I mean, you know, is there any decent architecture, for instance, apart from uh, the Opera House in Sydney, uh, Charlotte? Well, I mean, you, you don't necessarily go to Australia to see architecture. You go to Australia really for the outdoors. Um, 
I mean, having said that, I think some of the most beautiful architecture sort of ever is some of those lovely Victorian era weatherboard houses that you get in um, uh, Australia cities. I mean, I know Melbourne very well. I know, um, you know, Sydney um, um, and, uh, you know, some of the weatherboard houses are just absolutely gorgeous with immaculate ironwork, beautiful verandas, picket fences, uh, just just absolutely beautiful. And I lived in in one of those in Melbourne. Um, I mean, you know, obviously you've got the Sydney Opera House, which is completely amazing. And, um, you know, the Sydney um, Harbour Bridge, which you can climb um, um, and many, many uh, really sort of forward thinking, I suppose, um, uh, you know, modern pieces of architecture. But basically you're there for the for the outside um, uh, for living outside, for being outside. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I suppose that's just borne out by the fact that almost every house um, um, in Australia will have a veranda. Uh, uh, so, you know, that's where it's not necessarily the architecture. It's going to be the wilderness um, uh, and, um, you know, what you can do and experience in that wilderness area, whether it's, I don't know, Kakadu National Park, where I know Simon has been or uh, Wilson's Prom, which is um, uh, um, in Victoria, where you get the uh, the fairy penguins, um, or some really spectacular long, long walks uh, that you get in Tasmania. I think the outdoors is certainly part of a very large part of the appeal of Australia, and being out in the desert of North, the Northern Territory at night with completely clear skies is. An astonishing experience, as is the the uh, uh, wild tropical landscapes in the Northern Territory, and of course the remarkable way that nature has kind of sculpted various parts of Western Australia into these these um, otherworldly shapes. But on top of that, you've also got the fact that well, it's unfit for human habitation. Of course. The uh, original inhabitants, the uh, Aboriginal people, have done amazing things, enabling them to to thrive in such circumstances, at least until 1788. And yet, well, we, we had Peter's hitchhikers, spiders and snakes, which are waiting to get you. You've got uh, crocodiles, all kinds of strange marine creatures, which are just waiting to get you. Um, unfit for human habitation. Discuss. <laughs> well, not. <laughs> I don't. I don't think uh, you certainly have to be careful, um, don't you, Peter? Uh, you have to plan um, um, if you are going to places. But you know, of course, you've got you've got that central section, um, uh, which is mostly desert. But then all the way around the outside, you you know, you've got the individual cities, which are just um, thriving modern uh, cities. Uh, but I spent a week in Central Australia in Alice Springs and Uluru and Katajuta, um, and um, uh, it, it's it's absolutely beautiful uh, uh, in Central um, Australia. Um, and um, those rock formations are incredible. You, obviously, you can't climb up um, Uluru anymore, uh, but uh, you know you can do three days. Is that what we used to call Ayers Rock? Sorry to be so ignorant. Yes, yeah, yeah. Ayers Rock is Uluru. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember doing a three day camping trip out in the desert, um, you know, and that speaks to, you know, the sort of the in um, um, the, the, the whole area being a little bit hostile. 
but it was all extremely well planned and um you know we went with the guide uh, and it was an amazing experience that i'll never forget and also i'll never forget how cold i was at night so absolutely freezing 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 despite the fire going all night i'm beginning to see why my reason for going to australia is actually flawed really it's sort of based on my reasons for wanting to go to other places maybe i should be thinking about something different and i know peter you've got a fantastic coastline and beaches and stuff uh, very very close to where you live do you spend much time there to be honest no <laughs> um we we we, when you first come here, you probably spend time here. And in fact, our other brother, Jerry, came here and spent about two or three hours on the beach and came back like a red lobster. <laughs> so certainly one has to be very careful in how one spends time there. And, and also swimming um, is, I mean, I've been more used to scuba diving um, and so swimming or spending time with others on the beach is not with when 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 we have younger children then that might have been something to go and do sandcastles etc but not recently and in fact really i'm i'm not the, the the actual coastline is beautiful it's 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 un unspoilt almost for 2000 kilometers but whereas other areas uh, down in the southwest which is maybe more rocky and on the south coast, uh, where it's more comes in from the the weather comes from the Antarctic, it's more uh, rugged and uh, interesting. So, to be honest, sandy beaches don't really appeal to me because usually the sand gets in your sandwiches. But if you go, if you go down to the south coast, where these heavy seas have been pounding in for millions of years. The sea, the actual sand is like a white flower and it's actually, they often call them squeaky beaches when you walk on them. And you, you can actually, you, you don't, you get that in your sand, in your sandwiches and you don't, you don't go and crunch, you don't crunch on them. It's like a soft silt, you know, in, in everything. So it's beautiful white, you know, sort of non, uh, non granular sand. It's, it's like a walking on a, on, a, on flower, I guess, white flower. So yes, some places are better than others. Um, so, so um, uh, living in um, Melbourne, um, uh, one of the um, nearest national parks would be Wilson's Prom, and there was a beach there called Squeaky Beach. Um, uh, and uh, I was also, I was always told that the reason for that was that the um, the ocean had uh, had washed the beach so frequently that all of the sand particles had almost become the same size, um, and that's when. Uh, and that's why they were squeaky when you would walk on them. But literally, it's it's as you sort of go along. It really is really really squeaky. Peter, you mentioned sand in your sandwiches. What is the food and drink like in Australia for people who haven't been there? Um, particularly in terms of something that you're not going to find anywhere else, as opposed, of course, to the uh, uh, remarkable range of cuisines that have been brought in from uh, everyone, from, from the Brits to the Cambodians. Oh, that, that's, that's absolutely right. We are truly cosmopolitan. Um, what we don't find is the, is the wide range of Indian restaurants <laughs> that, that are in the UK, but they, the ones here tend to be somewhat upmarket, and, uh, which is excellent, and, uh, but so much so from Southeast Asia. But if you're coming back to the local, there's in particular in Western Australia, and I think probably around the rest of Australia as well, the seafood 
is really is really the, uh, the you know the, the local best thing to have if you can if you if you're not allergic to seafood you will get the best seafood here i'm not into oysters but i i just about have anything else and it's it's so fresh it's it's just absolutely beautiful and of course you can wash it down with a crisp white a crisp white from australia which you don't get in the uk you may get it in europe but um our wines of course are just absolutely you know, to die for or maybe hopefully not to die for they certainly are uh, well known around the world so seafood and wines i think is what i put down to uh, is, is why i'm still here i think i thought the food in australia was fabulous uh, and uh, i i think it's much better than the food that we get um, um here in the uk particularly when you are out and about i mean Australia is that it's 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 full of other nations actually so um, Melbourne for instance is the third largest um, Greek city in the world and so you get some fantastically fantastic Greek food uh, you also get amazing Vietnamese dishes there's a huge Vietnamese um, population um, there uh, also Italians so we have a whole street in Melbourne which is called Ligon Street which is where all the Italian restaurateurs are um, um, and uh, it's just restaurant after restaurant after restaurant and of course being Australia it's all outside so you're just just eating um, you know on the pavements uh, and uh, at 100% I think they have got much more to offer in terms of food than uh, than you know many places well Definitely the UK. Sorry, Charlotte, even London, where you can kind of get anything yeah, you want. Yeah, one hundred percent. I would say I think they've really got it right. Everything is so fresh, and even in London, you know, sometimes you might be served your main course and it looks quite nice, but then on the side you've got a bit of a limp salad. Uh, you'd never ever get away with that in Australia. No place for limp salad. I just like to mention uh, animals. Uh, apart from snakes, and we haven't really mentioned sharks either. But um, I, although I've never been to Australia, I have watched hours and hours of brilliant nature documentaries about the, the astonishing landscape and the weird and wonderful animals uh, and the weird marsupials of various kinds. So um, I think if I go, I really want to go and see amazing animals in the wild like that one that smiles at you uh, i can't remember its name and i wonder how easy it is to see them without going to zoos tourism in wa has really gained a lot by uh, roger federer the tennis player of course uh, having a selfie with with a quokka on rottnest island and, uh, and and that's uh, the laughing that's the smiling well, they, that's right. And uh, they, I don't know why they're smiling most of the time because they're probably being fed rubbish by the tourists. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they are a little, they're a little unique, um, nearly unique. Not many other people realise there are some aquacas elsewhere in the southwest in small areas, and it's just another variation on on the marsupials, um, which are wallabies and kangaroos that range the country and uh, and have been very successful um, as they are no they're not they're no longer seen anywhere else i mean i suppose everyone goes to australia thinking oh i really want to see a koala um and i never saw one i never saw one um, um in the wild even though you do sort of tend to um to scan the eucalyptus trees and sort of hope um but there's plenty more that you can you can see 
Uh, kangaroos and wallabies, oh, absolutely, at dusk. You need to get outside of the city. So you need to go to, you know, um, I don't know, some of the fields or some of the farms um, outside um, or the mountain ranges um, outside of Sydney or um, Melbourne. Um, and at dusk, you will definitely see the kangaroos and the wallabies just, you know, playing and dancing and hopping and, you know, just doing their thing. And that's really, really, really special. But if you just want to stay inside of the city, you can also see something called a possum. Um, and I think they are really underrated. They're sort of, they're, um, uh, uh, they're, they're sort of like a bush baby stroke rat, if you like. And they, um, they're marsupials, but they live in the um, in trees. Um, and they live in all of the parks in Melbourne, and I'm sure it must be the same in, in Sydney. Um, and again, uh, in a dusk and at night time, you can walk in the parks and you just you, you see them. And it's really it's very, very special. And then the other thing that I absolutely loved are the galahs. I mean, Peter, do you maybe you just. Sorry, what, what, how do you say that? I've, I've never heard of them. What? Galahs. Galar. So um, they're basically sort of cockatoos. Um, and, um, you know, they're mostly green or some of them are sort of pink and grey uh, and um, flitting from sort of, you know, bush to bush. Uh, and they're terribly exotic. And I loved just watching them. Can I ask you? Well, can I ask Peter something? Because um, you've lived there for such a long time. If I turned up in Australia as a uh, as a South Londoner, um, will I be... Um, welcomed with open arms or will people think oh here's another whinging pom it depends whether you you will you will almost certainly be uh, welcomed with that uh, phrase by some and some use it in a uh, in a light-hearted manner others perhaps less light-hearted <laughs> but as long as you don't there's no reason to whinge i think the whinge comes when people go over there and then start complaining but you won't <laughs> complain because you will enjoy everything you see and everything you eat and everything you drink. So you won't be one, Mick. I, 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 I guarantee that. And just a couple of uh, pom jokes, if I may, because it is mandatory to tell them what's the difference. And this show, obviously, we're now moving into a different era. What's the difference between a 747 and a pom? A, a 747 stops whining when it gets to Sydney. And where does a pom keep his wallet? Under the soap. Uh, that's a double whammy, isn't it? Well, it says that palms are both very smelly and unwashed, and also they don't—they—they're uh, they, they, not known for their, their generosity. <laughs> Charlotte, sorry, go on. Um, um, in Australia, uh, you are thought to be so unclean if you take yes. a bath, oh. uh, uh, and of course, I, I, being British, I just love baths. Um, but um, uh, all the Australians I knew would think that what you were doing is actually bathing in your own dirt. And why wouldn't you take a shower? So, of course, everyone showers. And of course, because it's quite hot, you might have at least two showers a day. Uh, uh, but um, uh, no, I always wanted my baths. And so people always thought that I was unclean. I'm sure you're not, Charlotte. Listen, I think it's time that um, we pulled the plug on this particular edition. Time is running out like the dirty bath water. And so I'm going to say thank you so much to um, Charlotte and uh, Peter. There's some other classics about... Um... I, whether it's true or not, you don't know. I think there was some tourists or some, you, probably some poms were in their minibus and they ran over a kangaroo and they thought they'd killed it. And they, but they, they thought we'll take some photographs. So the bloke took his jacket off, put it on the kangaroo, propped it up against the bonnet and they started taking photographs. The kangaroo shakes its head and pops off. And meanwhile, the guy's passports in the jacket that the kangaroo is now wearing as it heads off across the desert. 
Great to get Peter and Charlotte's views on Australia. And I just wonder if uh, I could propose for you, Mick, a wonderful trip. So you get on that aircraft. Peter meets you at the airport in Perth. Within half an hour, you are in the beautiful town of Fremantle, which is actually full of, of, of heritage because that was, of course, the gateway to Western Australia. You can hop on a boat and get over to Rottnest Island and meet those quokkas. Then you can sail upstream along the Swan River. Um, so broad, it resembles actually a, a series of lakes more than just a, a waterway and arrive in this astonishing, vibrant city of Perth. Um, does that tempt you at all? Uh, yes, as long as he's paying. <laughs> and uh, next week, we're hoping to be able to uncover the mystique of Mustique. Um, and people who've been watching The Crown um, will know that this is, of course, Princess Margaret's getaway island in the Caribbean. And in her footsteps went any number of other celebs, super rich and hangers-on. And indeed, our own Prime Minister, controversially, uh, last year. Um, but it's very hard to find out what the place is really like. Uh, because, of course, the likes of us never really get to go there. So we're hoping to lift the veil on Mustique next week. Meanwhile, from me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. Goodbye. And goodbye from Peter in Perth. And goodbye from Charlotte in London.